Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and was beginning to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Well, just to uh, say it's a great privilege uh, for Annie and I to be here. We've known um, this church uh, by reputation for many years. Um, And I'm going to be speaking on this wonderful passage, Walking on the Water. And uh, you're in a series on discipleship. And uh, this morning I was looking at a disciple is one who's walking in the way of forgiveness. And this time I'm I'm not walking, I'm speaking on uh, walking in the way of faith. And I I believe that God wants to teach us to grow in faith. Uh, And we do so by learning to walk outside our comfort zones. God is always encouraging us to walk beyond what we have faith for. That's where faith grows. It grows by exercise. A bishop uh, of Kensington and now of um, Nottingham, Southall, uh, Paul Williams said, our bold prayers don't offend God. God is offended by our lack of boldness. God is offended by our lack of boldness. And often we pray things, uh, pray for things that are barely out of reach. And the church often spends a lot of its time doing what it thinks is possible. And it's therefore, it never moves out beyond its comfort zones to experience things that are impossible. I'm hugely grateful for having been thrown into the deep end on many occasions. And it was there that I learned to swim, uh, to swim in the waters of faith. Annie and I have been challenged by a statement of a friend of ours who said this, if you know who you are and what you carry, nothing will be too difficult for you. That's an amazing statement. If you know who you are, and what you carry, nothing will be too difficult. And uh, I want to look at this story in the gospel where Jesus is calling his disciples to step out in faith. Uh, And I believe it's a pattern for disciples of Jesus today. Just before this 
uh, event where Jesus was walking on the water is the feeding of the 5,000, where the miracle actually happened, not through Jesus' prayer, but, but through the obedience of the disciples who took the little bread and a little bit of fish in the basket and went out to a group of 5,000 men plus women and children. And as they broke it and gave it away, the miracle took place. And I believe that's a pattern for us that the, the Lord wants uh, to use us to release his kingdom rule in people's lives. Um, <clears throat> so this story uh, can be seen as a picture of discipleship. And Jesus in Matthew here is moving beyond doing things before his disciples. He is now involving them in the doing of it preparing them that when he leaves to go back to the Father, they will continue doing the works of the kingdom. And actually, the exciting adventure for the Christian is that we are called to be partners with God in the works of the kingdom. We may not feel adequate for it, but actually God wants to equip us to do that and uh, to entrust that ministry into our hands. So the story of the walking on the water. Now Jesus had a busy time. He had fed the 5,000 and spoken to them for some time. Uh, he sent the disciples to cross the lake of Galilee and uh, he went up away to have some quiet. And that was the fuel for his life in ministry. Times spent in the presence of the Father, hearing his heart, uh, and then he goes to meet the disciples and he walks across the waters. And uh, in, the disciples are in the boat, but they're in a storm. The wind was against them. Now remember, many of them were fishermen, so they wouldn't be frightened by a storm. But uh, this is something quite different. And the truth is that life for us often has storms. It's not plain sailing. Often we will face storms. Now we resent them sometimes because they're an intrusion to us, but actually they're a gift for us because without the storm, we would never learn to trust God in a deeper way. And so I've got a picture here that's coming, Peter walking on water, and there's Jesus walking on the water uh, towards the, the disciples. And um, when the disciples saw him, Matthew says, uh, they were terrified. It's a ghost. And they said and cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And it may be that some are in a storm at this very time. And I really believe Jesus would say to you, take courage. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Now, I love Peter, don't you? Um, Peter's brain wasn't engaged when he responded to Jesus. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And then he thought, I wish I could take those words back. <laughs> um, but Jesus said, come. Jesus said, come. And um, there are three things I see in this story. Firstly, that they were in a storm. 
And the disciples, for me, are an image uh, of, of what the church is, but also what the church is called to be. God hasn't made us to live in the boat. God is calling us to step out of the boat into something that's a new environment to us because there we will meet him and discover that he is faithful, just and true and that he will give us what we need. You know, following Jesus is not a safe business. Um, he's calling us to step out of our comfort zone. We only grow in faith when we do that. And um, we too live out our discipleship in a world of storms. And Jesus calls us to recognize his presence and that he's walking with us in this very place. And we'll look at that in a few moments. And the second thing is that Jesus called them to step out of the safety of the boat into the water. As I said, Peter quickly said to Jesus, and here, here is Peter trying to respond uh, to Jesus. And you notice that um, he's actually almost holding on to the side of the boat in case he sinks uh, and reaching out to Jesus. And I think the disciples in the boat would have been tremendously encouraging to him, don't you? Peter, you haven't got a chance. Uh, Peter, you're a fool. Why have you done that? Why have you exposed yourself in that way? Um, now, I ask the question, why did Jesus say to Peter, come? I believe that Jesus saw Peter with faith. He saw Peter as the person God was making him to be, not just the raw material that was there at that moment, but what he could become. Uh, one of my <coughs> uh, favorite uh, sayings is spoken by a chap called Goethe, the, the German poet, and Goethe said this, when we see a person as they are, we make them worse than they are. When we treat them as if they were already potentially what they could be, we make them what they could be. And that's what Jesus is doing to Peter. He's calling him to step out into what he can become. And uh, that required uh, faith I found that so encouraging that the Lord looks at each one of us here, not just as where we are at this moment, but he actually sees what we are becoming. And therefore, being a disciple of Jesus is not a static business. It's actually uh, walking with him into uh, a, a new adventure. And Peter's response of faith uh, helped him to break into a new territory. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking towards Jesus. Notice that Peter was the only other man who's walked on water. Not necessarily for long, but he did it. He did it. And uh, <coughs> uh, that's an encouragement. And I believe Jesus sees us as disciples who he's given authority to do things that we never imagined possible. You know, I, w I had a great consciousness of failure as a, a child and as a, a teenager. I never imagined 
that I would be doing what I've been doing over these last 50 years. I never imagined that I would see God doing things that were quite beyond even my imagination. And uh, that, that Jesus has called us to carry his authority and to do the works of the kingdom. And the third thing I just notice is fear. Facing the fear factor. Uh, it says in the text, when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and he began to sink. He took his eyes off the promise or the invitation of Jesus to come and he saw the waters and that fear displaced trust. And you know, that's so natural to us when we step out in faith. All those voices inside us might say, oh, this is foolish. Why don't you play it safe? But actually, that's not the way of a disciple. Fear is a killer of faith. It's to take our eyes off Jesus and look at the obstacles that face us. And when fear is there, faith sinks and disappears. I remember these words, and I looked them up recently, <clears throat> of F.D. Roosevelt, who in his inaugural speech, uh, when he became president of the USA, uh, said these words, a nation in time of crisis, a nation facing war. And this is what he said, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed effort to convert retreat to advance. And that was the one who led the nation of America through much of the war. Uh, for three sessions, he was president of America. And I know that so many of us, and I include myself, uh, are held back by fear. Fear of failure. Fear of being inadequate. Fear of making a mistake, getting it wrong. Fear of being different. Fear of loss of faith. And you know, many of these fears that I speak about, and even ones that I haven't mentioned, are really family scripts that we carry inside us. Maybe that in our, in our family, uh, we had perhaps an anxious mother who passed on her anxiety to us. And that fear uh, that she had has, has found root in our hearts and has robbed us of a potential that we could discover. Or it may be that we, we had a father who expected too much and uh, we felt we could never meet uh, the demands, the hopes and the longings that he had. And that fear is still inside. You know, I believe today, Jesus is calling some of us out of the script of fear that we've been birthed in because it's robbed us of becoming fully who he intends us to be. You see, what Jesus was saying to Peter, you can do it. In that word, come, he was saying, you can do this. You can do this. And that gift of encouragement 
is one of the most priceless gifts in the church because I believe where the ministry of encouragement is released, people can rise up to step out. You notice in the story of Joshua, that first chapter, three times after Moses had died, three times, God says, be of good courage, be of good courage, be of good courage. And the people of God got hold of it. And they then say at the end of that first chapter, be of good courage, you can do this. So we need that. <clears throat> and just as I um, draw to a close, I just want to see the challenge of this. The challenge for us is three things. One is to a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing. You know, embracing a belief system that requires no faith is dangerous. The Holy Spirit opens us up to see a new world from God's perspective. Uh, George Bernard Shaw uh, said this, you see things as they are and ask why. I see things as they never were and say, why not? That's the language of faith. And, and all that Jesus did in his life in ministry, he did by drawing from a world that was unseen and releasing it where it could be seen in our world and in our day. Inviting God into that situation. Uh, and one of the writers in the New Testament says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Prayer is to call into reality what is unseen so that people might see that God is here. And I believe that so deeply. So a new way of thinking and seeing, it is to face and confront fear that cripples faith. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of of power and love and of a sound mind. A month or so ago at church, a head teacher asked me to pray and she struggled with insomnia and panic. And it was, it was impacting her life and robbing her. And I, I said, well, I'd love to pray for you. And I just felt that actually she was carrying inside her a family script. I felt it was an anxiety factor that was birthed in her mother and her grandmother. And I said, I, I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to break that by the cross of Christ and to release you and to release peace into your heart and mind. Uh, well, I just prayed that. I didn't see anything happening. But I met her in the high street uh, a week or so later and she said, the anxiety has gone and I'm sleeping well. Now, that was lovely that God did that, but that wasn't just for me to do. We may pray for people uh, in that way. And thirdly, it's to choose to step out of the boat rather than to stay in unbelief. I'm convinced that God's calling his church to take this message out there into his world. Um, 
And I just want to mention two little stories. Uh, I've, I've got some lovely new glasses. Don't you think they're rather wonderful? <laughs> and when I, I was uh, with the uh, consultant optician, um, he obviously saw that I was a reverend. Um, and uh, he said, uh, do you believe in exorcism? That's an unusual question, isn't it? <laughs> to get from your consultant optician. And I said, yes, I do. I believe in the reality of evil and of its power, but I believe Jesus is bigger. And uh, anyway, we got talking, and he was very open. And something inside me said, um, uh, John, why don't you ask if you can meet him for a coffee? And so I said this to him, and he, he's a Hindu. And he said, yes, I would, I would love to do that if you come to my home on a Tuesday. And so we arranged, and I went to his home. He was so open. You know, I went to his home, and when I go to a house, I, I nearly always say, peace be to this house, the words of Jesus. And he said, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and uh, we talked uh, about God, about his belief. He was so hungry to know about mine. And we had a wonderful conversation. And I said, can I pray for you? And he had his little boy of, of 18 months who sat still with a drink and watching a little program on the television. He simply didn't move from that seat for an hour plus. And uh, I said, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? He said, I would love that. And uh, I prayed for him. And as I, I, I went out, uh, he said, you know, it's lovely. It's lovely to welcome. We, we believe we honor the aged. Now, that shook me a bit. <laughs> we, we reckon they've got something to give. <laughs> That's very different to our culture, isn't it? And uh, he, uh, he said, thank you so much for coming. So I've seen him again and I'm going again to see him. I've given him Mark's gospel to read. Um, now, I, the people out there are hungry. Pray for opportunities. And the, the th last little thing about stepping out in faith, Annie and I have some next door neighbors and we have them for Christmas drinks. And uh, we, we uh, have built a relationship with them and we look after their guinea pigs. They've trusted us that much. <laughs> And um, that's wonderful. But um, one of them, um, the wife, uh, texted Annie to say that um, Richard uh, was taken to hospital. He had difficulty breathing. Um, could we pray? And Annie texts back saying, We'd, we'll pray. Can I ask other friends to pray? And she said, yes. And then we went to London and Annie got a text as we were driving back saying that he had worsened, he was in intensive care and his organs were, were, were failing. And the doctor had said, it's, um, you, you need to prepare for the worst. So um, Annie mentioned uh, this as we were driving back and, and I think um, she said, and he said, I think you should go and pray for him in the uh, JR hospital in Oxford. And I was thinking that at the same time. 
So I went to pray for him. I got there about 11.15 that night and he was on his front, tubes all over the place and a sister there in this private room and uh, I, just, I just felt, I, I felt that the enemy wanted to rob him of life. And in the name of Jesus, I, I came against this threat to his life and, and prayed actually with the gift of tongues. And I was only there 10 minutes. I laid hands, I anointed him with oil, and then I left. And I went back home, and there was a knock on the door the next morning. And it was the lady next door. And I opened the door, and she gave me a huge hug. And she said, John, he's better. <laughs> they took his, his organs started to, to recover at 12 o'clock. And uh, a bit later, they took him off the induced coma. And sometimes it takes seven to 24 hours. He came out of the coma in seven minutes. And uh, she said, it's a miracle. Now, I don't know that he knows that, <laughs> but we felt it was. And I'm, I'm just saying that little story that, you know, when we pray with God's compassion and love, God often hears, especially when it's to people outside his kingdom. So step out of the boat. It's risky, but it's a great adventure. And I just felt, um, in closing, that there are two things that perhaps sum up what uh, may be right to respond to. One is fear, anxiety and fear, which rob us. And I often believe it's a script that's inside us that needs to be replaced. And maybe to come forward for prayer for that may be a very good way to respond to God in this moment. And the other is that courage, courage. And I believe God wants to give courage to his people um, to do what he's called us to do, to take his message to those outside.